Welcome to We Are the Guard. We A-R the Guard. You get it? The Arkansas National Guard's podcast. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Brian Mason, the State Public Affairs Officer. Our inaugural podcast today is on a critical topic as we find ourselves a year into this COVID-19 pandemic. Over the past year, we've had some particular challenges as we work through the necessary force health protections and still maintain our capabilities and our proficiencies, all the while supporting our federal, state, and local partners in this fight against the spread of the virus. Most of our state active duty efforts have been in various roles supporting the lead agency, the Arkansas Department of Health. Inside the organization, we've done our best to stay ready to support all of our missions and maintain readiness. And we're talking today with the commander responsible for the health of the force. Dr. Keeler, please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Dr. Kevin Kaler, and I am the state surgeon for the Arkansas Army National Guard. This is what I do on the drill weekends, but my primary job is that I am a family physician in Pontotoc, Mississippi. You have obviously have the credentials to discuss the virus and the vaccine, and we recently re- released the first two of three educational and informational videos that featured you on our website and our social media, where our listeners can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, I believe it's important to ask you specifically what you think uh, about the vaccine and its safety uh, and their ability to protect someone from the virus. This pandemic, of course, has been a challenge for myself. It's been a challenge for my staff, and it's definitely been a challenge for my patients. I often get asked um, about what I'm telling my patients in the public about the vaccine. And this is pretty simple. Um, I'm telling my patients to get the vaccine. And then also, you know, whether I'm in the the, the grocery store or or there in the office, I get questions about the vaccine itself. And as a doctor, I find myself as a teacher um, trying to explain what this is all about. You know, if you look back at the past year and you see what the COVID-19 pandemic, what that virus has done to to our families, what it's done to our communities, um, what it's done to the economy. And I think you immediately understand why it's important that we have a vaccine. Um, This has been devastating to all of us. Some of us have lost family members. Some of us have lost co-workers. Uh, We probably all know people who have been hospitalized. And then you talk about not being able to see your family members um, because there's the fear of of transmitting the virus and potentially causing harm. And so if, if you view the vaccine in light of what it's done to us, I think it's, 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 it's obvious from my standpoint, and I think from most of the medical community standpoint, that this vaccine is, is, is absolutely necessary for us to, to move on and get back to our pre-pandemic lifestyle. Um, I personally feel that the vaccine is, is extremely safe. If, if you look at what the virus can do to you, the, the different types of illnesses that it can cause, how it can, in, how it can put us in the hospital, how it can cause death in, in large numbers. I think the, the, the vaccine itself is extremely efficacious in preventing that from happening. And so therefore, I think we, we, we really need to get the vaccine. Um, I, feel, I feel that the vaccine is, is very good at protecting us from getting severe disease. And that's what this is all about, is, is, is preventing the severe disease and preventing the hospitalizations that come from the disease. Sir, I, I think you hit it on the head. 500,000 deaths so far in the United States is a, not a small number. No, it's certainly not. something to be concerned about. Well, Colonel, I'm sure you fielded many questions from your patients about the vaccine. So 
as someone who's also personally received it, what did you consider when making that decision? And what are you telling your patients? So, so personally, I did get the, the vaccines. I got the Pfizer vaccine because that was what, avail- what was available at the time. Personally, I would have gotten now any of the three vaccines, whichever one was made available to me. Um, the reason I got the vaccine is because, number one, I did want to protect myself from the severe forms of COVID-related illness. But just as important as I wanted to protect my family members, just by virtue of me getting the vaccine, I am preventing the possibility of my family members from from getting the disease. If I can't transmit it, then perhaps my my family won't get it. For the same reason, I want to protect my coworkers and my patients at work. I do not want to bring the COVID-19 into the office where I'm taking care of patients with, with heart disease and with diabetes and patients who have cancer. And so I don't want to be the, 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 the doctor who gives my patients COVID-19. And so I felt like it was real, very, I felt very strongly that I needed to get the vaccine as soon as I could get the vaccine so that I could demonstrate to my patients and to my, to my, to my community that this was the right thing to do. If, if Dr. Kaler is willing to get the vaccine, then perhaps that's something that, that, that I need to do too. That's a great point, sir. I appreciate that. Um, I'm speaking with Dr. Kevin Kaler, a family practice physician and a colonel in the Arkansas National Guard. Sir, does uh, contracting the virus pose uh, more of a risk to someone's health than receiving the vaccine? And how do the symptoms of COVID-19 compare with the vaccine's side effects? So, you know, your first question, does the vaccine, contracting the virus pose more of a risk to someone's health than receiving the vaccine? Absolutely. You know, if you look at the, the various presentations of, of, of what can happen to somebody who, who acquires COVID-19, you know, some people are completely asymptomatic, meaning they get COVID-19, but they never have a single symptom. And for those people, they're extremely lucky and blessed that they don't get, have symptoms of the disease. But, but there are other people who, who, end up in the hospital with pneumonia, with the ability to breathe on their own, require mechanical ventilation. Um, there, are, there are now people who, after they get the disease, have worsening chronic medical problems, such as atrial fibrillation or irregular heartbeats, um, blood clotting disorders. And so I think, you know, the, the risk that comes from getting COVID-19 can be severe, the, the, the risk of having vaccine side effects is extremely low. The risk of an anaphylaxis reaction from the COVID va- vaccine is very, 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 very low. Um, and then you're, you're talking about are, are the symptoms that people have with the vaccine adverse effects or are they just a, a symptom of the body's immune system doing what it's supposed to do? And almost always the, the aches and pains and the fevers and the chills that people get with, with the vaccine or just your immune system doing what your immune system is supposed to do. You mentioned earlier that you don't want to be that doctor that contracts the virus and takes it home to your family or takes it back into the office uh, and can infect your patients. We in uniform on both the Army and the air side here in the Arkansas National Guard have similar concerns. We don't want to be the ones contracting the virus and then come to drill weekend and then our whole squad is infected or the whole platoon or the whole company. You bring up a great point. And as the state surgeon, um, what are some of the things that MedCom uh, is doing to educate our soldiers and airmen? 
so, so force health protection is one of the things that, that probably keep us up at night on the medical side of the house in the military. And, you know, we want to make sure that, that we keep all of our soldiers and our airmen healthy so that we can do our mission, whether that's a wartime mission or maybe that's, that's assisting a stranded motorist on the side of the highway during a snow event. Um, if, if our soldiers are ill with any type of, of medical illness, whether it's COVID-19 or something else, that they can't do their job assisting the public. And so, you know, those of us in the medical field in the, in the Arkansas Guard are really trying to, to force the issue of COVID mitigation. And that means trying to social distance as best you can when you're in formation. That means washing your hands whenever you enter a building or leave a building. Um, Maybe it's not the time that we that we shake hands all the time with each other. You know, it's still okay to fist bump and elbow bump so that you're not spreading germs from one person to the next. Covering your mouth with a with a face covering of some sorts. And so those are the things that we're trying to promote um, all across the Arkansas Army National Guard and, and certainly the Air National Guard too to prevent um, the spread of COVID nineteen or any other uh, um, respiratory illness for that matter. Well, sir, as you well know, Department of Defense uh, has. Uh, dictated, mandated, ordered uh, mask use at all of our facilities. And here in the Arkansas National Guard, we're following those orders. Um, There are some folks out in the community, you know, when we take this uniform off and go back to work or go back to school um, or go back home uh, after a drill weekend, there are a lot of folks out in the community that are just naysayers. They don't believe that masks are uh, working, that they're viable to uh, limiting the spread of this virus. Um, I often find myself uh, walking into a store uh, and finding about half the people walking around the store not wearing masks, even though there's a a mandate or uh, some specific guidance here in Arkansas. And so what would you say to those folks that might say masks aren't really working? You know, as a physician, I come from a science background, and I think it's it's been proven um, throughout the ages that, that, you know, masks or face coverings, definitely prevent the spread of respiratory droplets. And so if you are preventing respiratory droplets from leaving your mouth and and going out into the air, then you are probably preventing the person on the other end from acquiring that respiratory droplet. So in my mind, there's no doubt that these face masks help. I think you can even look at the just the lack of influenza activity this year um, as, as, as being a uh, the result of wearing of face masks. You know, we're, we're wearing our face masks more often than not, and we're probably keeping our hands away from our mouths more often than, than we would in, in normal respiratory seasons, and we're certainly washing our hands more often. And so, you know, I, I think the face mask is, 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 a, is an easy first-line defense to prevent the spread of COVID-19. And would it be uh, a fair analogy to say, that the vaccine itself is much like the face mask. The face mask works only if you're wearing it and wearing it appropriately. The vaccine works only if it's in your arm. I think you're absolutely correct. Well, as a physician, what do you consider that benchmark for an effective vaccine? So I think, you know, with the current vaccines, the important thing is you want to look at, does this vaccine prevent severe disease? You know, there's a big difference between a mild COVID-19 illness and the severe COVID-19 illness that perhaps lands you in the emergency room or in the hospital or even 
kills one of your family members. And so any vaccine that will prevent severe illness is is definitely worth having as long as the the, the side effect profile is 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 you know very negligible. And I think these three COVID nineteen vaccines that we have all do that. Two of the vaccines are more efficacious at preventing mild disease than another one, but they all three are very good at preventing severe disease. And that's what we've got to focus on is is preventing the severe illness that can cause death and that that really clogs up the hospital system and the emerging departments with with sick patients. Because if you remember, one of the big problems with with the COVID-19 illness has been how it has overwhelmed the hospital system with just sheer numbers of patients. And the patients who ended up in the intensive care units didn't necessarily stay for two or three days and then get to go home. Those patients remained in the intensive care units. They remained on their ventilators for extended periods of time. And because of that, other patients, let's say somebody who needed a, a cardiovascular procedure, let's say open heart surgery, somebody who had a, a car wreck and needed to be in the intensive care unit, sometimes there was no room for those patients at the local hospital. And so we had to, we've got to be able to help our hospitals support their population, and, and getting vaccines are a very good way of doing that. Colonel, we currently have three vaccines that are uh, either available or going to be available soon uh, on the market for our Kansans, and particularly for our soldiers and their families. The Moderna vaccine, which is distributed to us by the Department of Defense. There's the Pfizer vaccine, which uh, has been predominantly distributed by the state, uh, Arkansas Department of, of Health. Uh, and now the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is um, also marketed under the Janssen vaccine. Are there any particular advantages to one over the other? Or, you know, as our families and soldiers might have the choice uh, to, to receive one versus the other, what would you recommend? But at the end of the day, Colonel Mason, it's all about getting a vaccine. And if you have the opportunity to get a vaccine, whichever one it is, I would encourage you to get that vaccine. Well, what would you say to someone who might still be going back and forth on receiving the vaccine, someone who has that recurring thought, I just don't know if it's safe? Right. And, you know, to start off, I'm going to say I think the vaccines are safe. But but I would ask everybody who's on the fence or on the bubble about whether to get the vaccine that they need to be very careful where they get their their information from. You know, you, you can you can go on the Internet. You can go on uh, all the different social networks and and people are giving their opinions about the vaccine and often those are just opinions there's there's no science behind that opinion and so you need to go to a reputable scientific website whether it's the the food and drug administration or, or the centers for disease control or pubmed there are lots of of very reputable scientific journals and societies that you can get good information from you can, you can contact your personal physician. I spend time with each of my patients. After I get done seeing them for whatever their ailment is of the day, I'm asking them, are you going to get the Pfizer vaccine? Are you going to get the Moderna vaccine? And, and most of my patients say, Doc, I really don't know if I, if I should. I don't know that it's safe. And at that point, that's where I you know, go into the, into the uh, teaching mode. And, and I'll actually teach them about the vaccine. And I'll teach them about what COVID-19 can do to them. And when they get that information, it's so different from what they were getting on the social media opinion post. 
And, and they said, well, I wish I'd have known that before, Doc. I would have got the vaccine two weeks ago. So I think, I think, I think our, our, our populations, whether it's the National Guard, our soldiers, whether it's our, our parents, people need to get information from a reputable scientific source before they make the decision whether it's a good vaccine or a bad vaccine. Along those lines, sir, I would also uh, recommend that if you're coming to drill on drill weekend and uh, you've got some additional questions and you're really not sure, I think that in each of the brigades and certainly in each of our wings on the uh, air guard side, there are medical professionals uh, who understand uh, the science behind the vaccine. They understand the virus. They understand uh, those words like efficacy that might be a little bit confusing or scary. So I would encourage uh, any of us that are in uniform uh, to go talk to those professionals as well. You know, I think we, we, we take our vaccinations probably for granted a lot of times because we get vaccines when we're children. You know, our parents take us to the physician and uh, we get the vaccine because that's what we we're, we're told to do. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand actually what a, what a vaccine is, is for. You know, we're able to prevent disease by either getting the disease itself or by getting vaccinated against the disease. And so let's take, for instance, uh, measles. You know, measles is a, is a, is a, is a respiratory disease that, that once you acquire and have measles, your body deals with it, your body then fights it, and your body remembers measles so that you'll never get measles again. So your body defends against it because it's seen it once before. But we really want to prevent measles because measles can be devastating. Measles can cause severe pneumonia. Measles can cause meningitis, encephalitis. Measles can kill. And so we'd rather not have people get measles and so what we try to do is we try to vaccinate against measles. And so what we do is we can take a, we can take a, 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 a germ, the measles germ, and weaken it and then give somebody that weakened germ. And so the, the, the human being, the body doesn't get the disease because it's a weak germ. But in the process of getting that weakened germ, your immune system comes in and, and learns to fight that germ and see it and remember it so that if it ever sees that germ again in the real world, it will immediately attack it and kill it. So you still never acquire the disease. And so that's what we're trying to do with, with, with the COVID vaccine. Back in May of, of 2020, we started hearing the word Operation Warp Speed. And, and, and it was a code name for this process where the federal government partnered with private entities, private industries to manufacture, develop, um, produce, and then push the vaccines out um, in large numbers as quickly as possible. And that's where this word warp speed came from. It really doesn't mean that they were, that they were skipping steps in the process of, of developing the vaccine. It doesn't mean that they were skipping steps in developing in as far as um, um, testing the vaccine, but it was the amount of money and effort and unified effort in both the private and public sector to make it happen really quick because we knew we were up against a wall. People were dying quickly because of the disease, and so we had to do something very fast. Colonel, do you think that these... Um variants that we are hearing about on the news um, 
are they a threat to us as well? Uh, and will these vaccines protect us against those potential problems with variants? Right. You know, and variants are are something that's that's also we're hearing about this on the news every night. There's a, a, a variant by a different name. It could be the the South American variant, or who knows what the next name of it is. But what's happening is is the virus is is mutating. It's changing its spike proteins. And that's what viruses do. We see that with the flu virus every year. The flu virus will change its protein structure every year so that the virus, the flu virus that infected a lot of us last year will not be the flu virus that infects us this year. And that's why we have to get a different flu vaccine every year. Well, COVID-19 virus seems to be doing the same thing. It's altering its protein structure. And when that happens, the immune system may not recognize the variant as opposed to the original COVID-19 virus. And so what we're trying to learn as as we give these vaccines is do do the current vaccines that are available, are they also effective against preventing the variants of the COVID-19 virus? And right now, it looks like the vaccines are effective, but we don't know what the variant that could be down the road might look like. We don't know how the body will respond to that, and we certainly don't know if the vaccine will prevent the variant that's down the road. So we might have to have additional booster vaccines in the future for COVID-19. I think that remains to be seen. Um, But the important thing is, is that we're getting the current vaccine and we're listening to the scientific community and we're we're heeding their recommendations and doing everything we can to follow those recommendations so that we we, we don't get COVID-19 severe illness. I mean, you know, what we're trying to achieve here is something called herd immunity. And, And that's where the majority of the population is immune from the disease, either because they got the disease itself or they were vaccinated against it. And so you're right. The more of us that that develop immunity against COVID-19, the less chance there is for somebody to to be an incubator or the less chance for somebody to be harboring that virus where it can potentially multiply and then be spread into the population. Colonel, I'm, I'm hearing um, some uh, folks who are hesitant to get the vaccine uh, provide us with a, a question. You know, I've had uh, the virus uh, perhaps recently. Do I still need to get vaccinated against it? Yeah, that's an excellent question. That's a question that I have patients asking me um, every week. And, and if you have had COVID-19, um, then your body has antibodies against COVID-19. So, so probably, notice I said probably, for about the first 90 days, you don't have to get that vaccine right away because your body has a robust antibody immune response to protect you from a subsequent COVID-19 infection. But, but after that 90 days, I think you should seriously consider going ahead and getting the COVID-19 vaccine because you've got to, to create that memory in your immune system so that let's say four months down the road, you happen to be in the grocery store and, 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 and somebody who has COVID coughs or sneezes and you walk through that, that cloud of, of COVID-19 that's circulating around the store now, you want to be able to ensure that your body sees that COVID-19 virus 
and immediately attacks it and kills it. And the vaccine is what will do that for you. Um, I have been encouraging my patients to get vaccinated within the first 90 days of having a COVID infection. I always just make sure that they're completely you know, asymptomatic after the infection, meaning they've, they're no longer having fevers and chills and they're not coughing badly anymore. I think once they, they get beyond that 14 days of infection, if they want to get the vaccine, they can absolutely get that vaccine. That's Dr. Kaler, a family practice physician and the Arkansas National Guard state surgeon. Thank you for joining us on We Are the Guard. Thank you for the opportunity on, uh, to be on this inaugural podcast. This has been uh, fantastic, and I appreciate, uh, appreciate your willingness to do this. For more information about this topic, please feel free to check out the videos that we've discussed on our Facebook and our YouTube pages. On Facebook, we're at Arkansas National Guard, all one word. Our YouTube channel is ARNGPAO, but I'm sure you can find it doing a simple search of Arkansas National Guard. If you're looking for us on Instagram and Twitter, it's just Arkansas Guard, one word. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, we ask you to do so uh, so you can know any time that we post new content. And if you're already a subscriber, we certainly appreciate you making us part of your day. And we also welcome your questions and suggested topics. You could submit those through social media by searching for us again on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and sending us a direct message there as well on our website and our mobile app by clicking on the Contact Us feature. Well, that's all the time we have for this inaugural edition of We Are the Guard. We A-R the Guard. For the Arkansas National Guard, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Brian Mason, State Public Affairs Officer. Thanks for tuning in.